Chapter 1. Fern. May 1881. London, England. Miss Fern Walsham learned from a young age that she was invisible to the nobility. It was her secret gift, to be able to sit in a drawing room and not be seen. She discovered her secret gift at nineteen years of age when she found herself squeezed between two ladies of the ton at one of her first balls, wide-eyed and innocent as she listened to the one lady go on about her husband's illegitimate child with a brothel madam and how he favoured that brat over her own children. The two women had not even spared her a single glance as they went on with their gossip. Fern then tried it elsewhere. She overheard secret gambling debts, mistresses, notices of duels and other scandalous secrets in the drawing rooms of high society. No one seemed to notice she was present as they spilled their secrets or shared gossip about each other. She had access to high society through her godmother, Henrietta de Courcy, the Dowager Countess of Gadsby, who had taken her in after her parents' death in a carriage accident. The Dowager had just become a widow and with her own sons grown and gone had felt very alone in her London townhouse. So the Dowager Countess took it upon herself to provide a home for Fern and brought her to London to live with her. The Dowager truly tried her best but the sad young woman who came to live with her never, ever drew a suitor. Too intense. Too much. And what high society could not understand, it ignored or ridiculed. The ton chose to ignore Fern, which was fine with the young lady in question. She had realized at a young age her true interest lay in finding out the secrets of the ton rather than catching the eye of a suitor. The dowager simply shrugged her plump shoulders at her charge's lack of success to her friends. Selfishly, the lady enjoyed her charge's presence in her home and dreaded the day Fern would marry and leave her alone again. Even as a young woman, Fern understood her own precarious position in the world, reliant on the goodwill of the dowager and not a coin to her name and went about securing her future by finding employment. All secrets had a price and those of high society cost the most. Fern sold them to a gossip paper for a few coins. That had been ten years ago and Fern was now firmly established with one of the most read gossip papers in London. Spring was in the air and a new social season was upon them. It was always Fern's busiest season. Secrets and scandals abounded and she could only hear these secrets if she attended society events. So she attended teas, dances, musicals, promenades in Hyde Park and much more in pursuit of her work. She always accompanied the Dowager as her companion to these events and the Dowager Countess of Gadsby was invited everywhere. This morning, Fern was sitting at her desk, going over correspondence and notes before she submitted them to her publisher. Finally satisfied with her work, she set aside her pen and folded the paper. She rose gracefully from the desk and fetched her bonnet. Gertrude. I am ready to leave, she called out for her lady's maid. Gertrude, a young woman of five and twenty, appeared. She had been Fern's maid for two years now and one of the few people she employed in her secret business. They were a bit of kindred spirits. Gertrude had four siblings and a mother to help support and appreciated the extra coin that came from gathering secrets from the servants of the ton. This morning, the dowager was busy with a fitting at her modest so Fern knew she would be free to slip out of the house and get her notes to the publisher without detection. Fern and Gertrude stepped onto the street. More and more people were moving into the city from the countryside and London was practically bursting at the seams. To someone who liked to observe as much as she did, the city was her favorite sight. Women selling flowers. Carriages rolling down the street. Gentlemen strolled down the streets, their top hats bobbing along the crowded sidewalk. There was so much to take in as they made their way through the city. She was not keen about being seen at her publisher's office. It was too risky. So, 
Over the years, she paid street children to act as messengers. She was interested in preserving her secret and delivering a piece of paper was a quick and easy way to earn some coin for the children. Her current page was a boy by the name of Kiernan. Her pages rarely had last names, many of them orphaned at a young age or they were illegitimate. He was a clever boy who did not like to wash no matter how many times she scolded him for it. He was the best pickpocket in London, he liked to boast. She rarely employed the same boy for as long as she had Kiernan, but the little boy with his grubby hands and cheeky grin tugged at her heartstrings. They had been partners long enough that Fern knew all she had to do was pocket her note to the publisher with a coin for payment and go out on one of their walks and Kiernan would find her. Today was no different. As they were strolling along the shops, Fern noticed that the slip of paper was gone along with the coin. She hadn't felt a thing. They continued to stroll. She feigned interest in the shops, even entering a few shops to try out some perfume or some ladies' cosmetic cream. Looking at the offerings, maybe she should give one of the creams or powders a try. What she really needed was a little rouge. She was quite pale and never managed the rosy bloom other young women seemed to effortlessly achieve. Who was she kidding? She sighed and put the pot of rouge back. There wasn't a suitor to impress. There was no point in trying. Shortly thereafter, Kiernan appeared out of nowhere. His cheeks were bulging with candy. It was his weakness to spend a little bit of his earnings from fern at the candy shop. Toffee, licorice, marshmallows, jelly babies. He liked to try it all. How are you today, Kiernan? She asked, looking down at the boy as they strolled along the sidewalk. All right, lady. The business has been good lately. By business, he meant pickpocketing. Fern fretted over him but no amount of coin could get him to give it up. She was worried he was part of one of those gangs that used children but knew she couldn't force him to leave. What kind did you get today? Licorice, lady. He held up the bag of candy for her to inspect. Very nice. Have you given any time to the book I gave you earlier? His thin shoulders shrugged as he popped another piece of licorice into his mouth. She took that as a no. You should really apply yourself to some lessons. I likes it when you read to me, he replied, giving her one of his cheeky grins. Yes, the little pickpocket had found his way into the townhome. He was a slippery little devil and no door or lock could keep him out. Fern always worked to conceal his presence from the dowager. He liked to sit in the library and have her read to him one of the children's books. Yes. But one day you'll be too big to be a pickpocket and knowing how to read at least will give you more options. Kionan shrugged again. Fern wouldn't give up, she would get the boy to read somehow. As they strolled along, the trio shortly encountered a large crowd of curious onlookers gathered outside one of the homes. All eyes seemed fixated on the house before them and several bobbies were keeping the crowd back. What's going on here? Fern asked, trying to see beyond the collection of top hats and bonnets was quite difficult. Gertrude hung back and implored her lady to keep walking. Fern was too curious to heed her. Nasty business, lady. Murder, Kiernan said matter-of-factly, the small street child not bothered by something as gruesome as murder. Murder? Both Fern and Gertrude gasped. Found them a dead body. At least that's what I heard. He talked around the candy in his mouth. Murder? In this neighborhood? While not the finest. It was still firmly an upper-middle-class neighborhood where crime was rather rare. Fern glanced at the crowd, both frightened and curious. Oi, here come the coppers. Kiernan pointed his dirty hand at two men joining the scene. Two gentlemen appeared on the scene and made their way through the crowd. 
The Bobbies recognized them and exchanged hearty greetings with handshakes and slaps on the shoulders. Fern studied the two men. This was her first murder scene after all and she didn't want to miss a single detail. The first man was short and broad-shouldered, with a moustache and bowler and a checked suit. The other gentleman snared her attention. Tall and lean, the man had long black hair that brushed the collar of his shirt. He walked with a cane that seemed more for fashion than insisting in his walk. While dressed in the height of fashion, top hat and all, there was something about him that wasn't quite the gentleman. Maybe it was the muscles that filled out his jacket or the scars on his face. Like he was a tiger waiting to pounce. Do you know them? She asked, still watching the policeman. Specifically the man in black. Aye, that one's Neely. Real tough one. Heard he was a street fighter when he was young. Kiernan put up his fists and made a few jabs with his small arms. He's never got me, cause no copper can catch me, but I wouldn't want to cross him. Scotland Yard, he is. A real Scotland Yard inspector like something out of the damages penny dreadfuls. Fern couldn't believe it. The bobbies and inspectors talked while the crowd looked on. The attention didn't seem to bother the men as they paid no heed to any of the onlookers. Inspector Neely suddenly turned and his eyes scanned the crowd. His gaze locked with hers. Fern stepped back in surprise. He saw her. Plain, serious Fern. He didn't move as he stared at her from across the street. She didn't break his gaze. His eyes were dark green and they seemed to peer into her soul. She wanted to look away but she couldn't. Heat filled her cheeks as their stare continued. Fern panicked and looked away first. I think it's time for tea. Why don't we leave the gentlemen to their work? She said to Kiernan and Gertrude. But I didn't even get to see the body. He whined as she pulled him along. Come along, Kiernan. It's not our business. She glanced over her shoulder and found the inspector still staring after her. A shiver ran through her and she turned away, picking up her step as she fled that dark gaze. Chapter 2 Claude Scotland Yard Inspector Claude Neely and his partner, Inspector Silas Green, had a door slam in the faces. They stood on the steps of a middle-class town home after interviewing neighbors for the poor woman found strangled in her home. Sounds like she was selling herself, Silas commented. Claude made a sound of agreement as they stepped onto the street. Plenty of eyes but no one saw anything. Claude didn't respond as he knew his partner liked to think out loud. He stood on the sidewalk, tapping his cane on the ground as he surveyed the street. This was a neighborhood where Seti Money liked to reside. It also meant that everyone noticed everyone else's business. And all the neighbors seemed to think their murder victim had a scandalous number of men coming and going from her apartment. They had all been more than willing to share the gossip with the two inspectors. Of course not a single one of them had seen or heard anything about the murder, even as the young widow was strangled in her bed. Claude's lips curled in a sneer as he thought of the neighbors willing to disparage the woman's name but offered no help. Back to Scotland Yard? Silas asked. Aye, Claude responded. To the casual observer, the pairing of Inspector Green and Inspector Neely was the most unusual pairing. In regards to education, background and appearance, they were complete opposites. Inspector Silas Green was a smooth-talking gentleman with fine manners and speech who enjoyed flamboyant suits and flirting with ladies. As they worked their cases, Silas would come in, with his fine ways and talk them up, get things to slip out. Grieving widows hiding secrets. Disgruntled employees. He had been born the son of a solicitor and in a fit of rebellion, had chosen the path of policing over studying the law. 
Claude had neither education nor background to recommend him. He was a child of London streets who had crawled his way out of the slums. But he could play the part of fashionable gentleman as well as any member of the gentry in part due to his ability to mimic whatever he saw. Yet it was all facade. There was a darkness in him that no suit or fine speech could hide. Anything good or kind about him had been beaten out of him as a child by the men who had come and gone in his mother's life or when he had been sold as a child fighter to one of the street gangs. He was just like those criminals he interviewed, except he used his darkness for the law. Put him in the room with a suspect and they would talk. Always. It made him one of the most feared inspectors on the streets and most criminals had no wish to come across him in a London alley or an interview room. He had been partnering with Silas for three years now and they had one of the best rates for solving crime in the city. And before today, Claude had thrown himself body and soul into hunting London's criminals. Then his little angel appeared. Standing across the road, all dressed in black with her fine white hair, staring at him. He just knew she was sent for him. A glimpse of light for his dark, twisted soul. Now all of his attention was focused on her. Finding her. Possessing her. He let her walk away because he knew he would find her again. Claude nearly always got his man, or woman in this instance. It had taken every ounce of his concentration to focus on the task at hand and finish the interviews instead of chasing her down and dragging her off to his home where he would do terrible things to his angel. Parting from Silas for the day, Claude went home and laid in his bed. Thinking of his angel. He had wrapped his hand around his cock and made himself come over and over again. But his cock wasn't satisfied. It didn't want his hand. It wanted to be between the legs of one angel. He never had much interest in women beyond paying them for a quick fuck. Brutes like him didn't get to mingle or court fine ladies. So he usually visited one of the various establishments in London for his needs. It had always been a quick fuck for an exchange of coins. His angel was different. He had never wanted anyone so badly and he would have his angel. On that, he was decided. The next day, he went looking for the street boy who had accompanied his angel. They seemed familiar with each other and he knew he'd have better luck finding the boy than going door to door in the gentry neighborhoods. One day passed, two days and then a third with no luck in finding the boy. London was a big city and there were plenty of places for a child to hide. Claude was forced back to work when it became clear that he wasn't going to find the boy right away. You're in a mood, Silas said when Claude stormed into the office. Claude grunted at his partner. Well, while you've been missing, we've got another case. What is it this time? Another murder. The two men went out to the scene. Another woman in her home. Strangled. Do you think it's connected? Silas asked. If she was working the trade, I'd say so. Looking around the lodgings, it was difficult to tell. The woman was clearly in dire financial straits, her landlord was on the verge of throwing her out. There were even fewer witnesses and even fewer answers. Defeated, the pair were about to hail a hack to return to the office when Claude spotted the street urchin he had been looking for. As Silas was stepping into the carriage, Claude turned to him and said, I'll come back to the office later. I've got something I need to take care of. Silas knew better than to press his partner for questions. Claude turned on his heel and stalked after the boy. He pulled his top hat low over his face and hung back. The boy had to be around nine or ten years old. But Claude didn't let his age fool him. He had once been a child just like him, fighting for survival on the streets of London and knew better than to underestimate a child. 
It took all day and he had to watch the lad deftly pick the pickets of several gentlemen and liders but eventually the boy turned away from the rougher streets of London and headed for a nicer neighborhood. Claude waited for his chance. When it came, his hand darted out and grabbed the boy by the scruff of his neck before the boy knew what had happened. Oi! You! The boy shouted. Oi! Me! He growled. I wasn't doing nothing wrong. The child tried to kick at Claude but his small legs couldn't reach Claude. Now I've seen you pick at least three pockets since you've been on this street. Claude moved to turn him upside down and shake him. Oi! Stop! What do you want with me? The boy asked. I want to know about the young woman you do business with. The kid glared at him. What do you want with Miss Fern? She ain't do nothing wrong. That's my business. I won't tell you nothing about her. He crossed his little arms and jutted his chin out. You'll tell me what I want to know or I'll arrest you, right now, Claude threatened. The kid suddenly swung a tiny fist at him. Claude easily caught the little hand. The kid kicked and struggled against him. Leave Miss Fern alone. If you hurt her, I'll cut you with my knife, he threatened. Stop struggling and start talking. He brought up a shiny guinea and the kid fixated on the coin. You'll get a guinea for any information you can give me. The kid scowled at him. What do you want to know? Miss Fern? What's her last name? Walsham. Fern Walsham. A lady's name. Claude handed over the coin. The boy snatched it out of his hand. Now where does she live? Some fancy place in Mayfair. Big house where all those lords and ladies live. Claude bent low. You seem like a smart boy. Now I want you to show me where she lives or you know what happens. The threat was clear. The boy nodded his head and Claude hailed a hack, shoving the boy into the carriage. Where to? Claude waited for the boy to give him the address. What do you do for Fern? The boy shook his head. Can't tell. Fern pays me good for my work. Fair enough. He wouldn't cause the boy to lose his source of income. And he was more valuable as a possible source of information down the road. What's your name, boy? Kiernan. The carriage came to a halt and Claude saw they were stopped in Mayfair. We're here. The two descended from the carriage. Now which house belongs to Miss Fern? The boy pointed at one of the fancy town homes. Another coin disappeared in the child's grubby hands. Who does Miss Fern live with? The old broad she lives with? The Dowager Countess of Gadsby. Is she her daughter? Claude asked. Bloody hell, he fell for some fancy lady who probably had lords dangling over her hand. I dunno. Never talks about her like she's her mum. Claude held out his last coin. Now, Kiernan, if Miss Fern is ever in trouble, you come find me. You can find me at Scotland Yard or my house in St. James. Claude gave the boy the address and made him repeat it back. He stuck out his hand to shake on the deal. Kiernan stared at it before sliding his hand against his. They shook on their deal and Claude let Kiernan go free. The boy quickly darted away, getting lost in the crowd. As he stared at the townhome, the door to the townhome opened and his angel appeared on the doorstep. She was so startling, so bright and beautiful. Claude found himself fascinated by her. Another black dress today with a high collar and buttons lined down the back. The gathered fabric of the bustle popular with the ladies was made for tormenting a man. It emphasized her fine waist and hinted at an ass he wanted to get his hands on. Her pale hair was combed back in one of those fancy lady styles with a delicate hat balanced precariously atop her head. She was a well-dressed angel of death. As she began walking down the street, 
his angel had no idea that a devil stalked her through the streets of London. One who was planning and plotting on how he could force himself into her life. Chapter 3. Fern. After that moment on the street, Fern tried to put Inspector Neely out of her mind. She had reached nine and twenty years without her heart becoming entangled, she would not lose her head over a man. She went about her work, shadowing the dowager as they went from one ton event to the next. Her work kept her busy and she had sent off notes to the paper in rapid succession. She was already off to a busy season and that should have kept her mind off one Scotland Yard inspector. Except it did not work. No number of tea parties or dinners could get the inspector out of her mind. No matter how scandalous the gossip, how dark the secret, Fern kept thinking about him and his dark green eyes. His black hair. His lean face. She held for a week or so before she finally gave in to her growing obsession. All it had taken was a few coins and a couple of days for Kiernan to find out where the inspector lived and what time he went to work. It was at an ungodly early hour and Fern had to drag herself from bed after being up late at whatever dance the dowager had gone off to. The first time she had followed the inspector, she had crept behind him from a distance, her heart thundering away in her chest. Any little glance over his shoulder would send her scurrying into an alley to hide. Now after a week or so of following him, Fern could confidently stroll down the street at a distance. She enjoyed following the inspector to work in the morning. She enjoyed watching him stroll down the London street with his cane and fitted suit. His long legs eating up the sidewalk. Claude Neely. She shivered. After two weeks of following and reading everything she could get her hands on, she felt like she knew the inspector. Fierce. Intelligent. Dogged. By all accounts, Inspector Claude Neely was a menace to the criminals of London. The most feared inspector of Scotland Yard. He went after criminals with a single-minded intensity that made him quite famous in the papers and to all of society who enjoyed reading about these crimes with bated breath. Her fascination was growing into something more. Something Fern had never felt for any man before. It was a compulsion she felt to follow him. She needed to see him or else she would go about her day like some lovelorn youth, mooning over him. It was ridiculous but she could not stop. This morning she would not be returning back home to join the dowager at the breakfast table. She had given Kiernan a new task yesterday and he knew where to find her when he accomplished the task. Like she had every other day, Fern followed Claude along his route to work. When he was inside Scotland Yard, she turned around and came back to Claude's house. While she was strolling along the sidewalk, Kiernan sidled up to her. Were you able to get it? She asked. Of course, lady. Best pickpocket in London and if I can't get a key off a copper, no one can. The little boy's offended tone made her smile. Thank you, Kiernan. Fern gave him a few coins in exchange for the key. Fern, I don't think this is a good idea. Kiernan looked up at her, worry making him frown at her. They were now standing across the street from the home of Inspector Neely. It was a red brick home in one of the middle-class neighborhoods of London. The pair had watched his house for a few days and knew that the housekeeper would come later in the day, letting herself in to clean and make dinner before leaving in the afternoon. She should have no interruptions this morning. Do not worry, Kiernan. I will be all right, she reassured him. It's not good. Breaking into the house of a copper. The little boy looked very grave as he gave her the warning. If anything happens, you run away. A mulish look crossed his face and she said again, If I get caught, you run away, okay? Run fast and far. Kiernan refused to answer her and she sighed. 
she could only hope that the boy's instinct for self-preservation would outweigh any loyalty he felt towards her. Fern crossed the street and walked up the front stairs. She was practically trembling with anticipation. To see inside his home, touch his things, would be the peak of delight. She slid the key in the lock and turned. With a glance over her shoulder, she stepped into the home and shut the door behind her. It took a minute for her eyes to adjust to the darkness. The home was stark. Devoid of art or anything else that might give life to the place. The first floor parlor room had two armchairs. A side table with a gramophone sitting on top. He liked music, she amused, running a finger along the top of the gramophone. What else did he like? It was hard to decipher in a home so lacking in personal belongings. The largest collection of personal items were books. They lined a large bookshelf in the corner of the room. Fern studied the titles. Some were medical or dealt in the study of crime. They were well used and she imagined he used them for work. A few novels were mixed in. She traced the lettering on the book spines with her fingertip, noting the titles. The Bronte novel made her raise her eyebrows. He was a curious mix of the macabre and the romantic. Leaving the books, she wandered through the rest of the downstairs. There was not much to see when it was so lacking in a personal touch. Everything was fastidiously clean. She picked up no dust when she touched his things. His housekeeper did a good job. Next she wandered upstairs. There were a few rooms along the short hallway but they were also empty. She wondered what these rooms were for. There was one last room to explore. His room. She quivered in anticipation. Stepping into the room, she found it as neat and orderly as the rest of the house. Luckily for her, there were at least some personal effects in the room. She stepped across the floor and opened his armor. A row of black suit jackets and white shirts hung in neat order. She touched his wool suits, enjoying the feel of the fabric beneath her fingers. Next, she ran her hands over his shirts. These shirts had touched his body. His muscles. A heat began to pull low in her belly just thinking about it. Shutting the door, she went to his washing stand. Touched the smooth steel of the razor he used to shave. Sniffed the towel he used. Opened the cap of his cologne. Next, she lay on his bed, resting her head where there was a dent on the pillow from where he lay. That warm feeling in her lower belly was back. Restless, she scissored her legs, trying to chase that feeling but no good. With a huff, she sat up. She quickly smoothed back the bed covers and made sure the pillows were in place. At the foot of the stairs, she gave one final look to the home of Claude Neely. There was still so much mystery surrounding the man but Fern wouldn't let that stop her. She locked the townhome behind her and gave the key to Kiernan to return. She returned to the townhome and quietly slipped up the stairs to change into her day gown. Luckily, it was still early enough in the morn that the dowager was still asleep. The day passed much like any other. She and the dowager had tea with some of her old chums from finishing school. Fern was sitting in her room, waiting for her maid to appear and when she didn't, Fern stuck her head outside her room. She could hear light chatter from downstairs. Curious, she went down the stairs to find several of the maids huddled in the hall outside the parlor room. What is going on here? Fern asked lightly. The maids all jumped at her voice but relaxed as soon as they saw it was Fern. She was a favorite amongst them. She was rarely as demanding as the other ladies and lords they had served and she was always kind and gave them lovely Christmas presents and a bonus that they could give to their families. Gertrude turned to her and whispered, there's an inspector come calling. A cold chill shot down her spine. Inspector? At this hour? Don't be ridiculous. 
We haven't had a crime to report. She tried to remain calm but inside, she was a whirling maelstrom of worry and anxiety. He knew, he knew, he knew. Her fingers clenched her skirts in worry even as she tried to appear unaffected before the maids. Another young maid turned and said, No, miss, it's definitely Inspector Neely. He's always in the papers. All of London knows who he is. Black suit. Black cane. Black gloves. Gertrude checked off her fingers. And a scar on his left cheek. It's definitely Mr. Neely. Time to go. She turned to make her escape when the door burst open and the dowager flounced out of the room. Fern. Darling. There is a gentleman caller for you in the parlor. The dowager winked at her and Fern knew the dowager thought the gentleman was a caller. A caller? For me? I don't think the dowager didn't wait for her to finish and pushed her through the door with a gentle, but firm hand. She smoothed a hand down the front of her dress and tried to stem the panic rising in her chest. She put on her best smile and stepped into the room. There he was. She nearly stopped breathing as she took in his tall form. Her eyes travelled over his shoes and up those long legs of his, over his well-fitted vest and met his dark green eyes that glittered like emeralds. A slow smile spread across his face. Fern gulped. Hello, Inspector Neely. Thank you for listening to Stalking the Inspector. More chapters will be released each week so make sure to subscribe to the podcast.